Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. Today, I am here with Rachel Glowacki, and we're going to be talking all about how pain is your purpose. You are listening to Creating Wellness from Within, a podcast devoted to helping you live your best life through self-care and wellness. In each episode, we will strive to offer you actionable advice and tools that can help you with your journey towards greater personal wellness. I am your host, Amy Zalmer. I am editor-in-chief of Minnesota Yoga and Life Magazine and the Brain Health Magazine. Additionally, I have published four books on the topic of brain injury and concussion. I am passionate about yoga, wellness, photography, travel, and all things glittery. You can learn more about me at Creating Wellness from Within. Today, my guest is Rachel Glowacki, and she is a yoga teacher, writer, and thought leader in the kids' yoga field. She specializes in mindful movement for all ages and abilities and has been teaching since 1999. She's an award-winning author of the Kids' Yogaverse storybook apps. Rachel hopes that one day mindful movement will be taught regularly in schools, just like math and science. She believes that a calm brain is a learning brain and a healthy body is a happy body. Principles she shares with her students, young and old. Rachel lives with her husband and two sons in Edwards, Colorado. So welcome to the podcast, Rachel. So happy to have you here. Thank you. It feels so good to be here. And I love that you love things, all things glittery. <laughs> yes. Anything glittery, glittery and sparkly. It doesn't have to be glitter. It has, just has to be in the sparkle category. <laughs> <laughs> so Rachel, today we're talking about how pain is your purpose. And, you know, I think some people listening are going to be like, I don't get it. And other people will instantly resonate with what that means. So what does that mean to you? Yes. Good question. It's got me on my path. Um, I'll give credit to Glennon Doyle, who has that um, phrase, pain is your purpose. And I'm going to paraphrase her. It says, if you want to find your life's purpose, um, run towards your pain. And for me, um, teaching children has been part of my purpose in addition to adults. But I think when I teach adults, I think about also healing that inner child in all of us. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's for me as a child growing up, I was sharing with you that I always felt pretty stupid and I didn't, wasn't, didn't feel really smart. And, um, that's part of my pain, and learning that you can learn through movement and it's not just one way of learning has really transformed the way, the way I think and the way I teach and the way I share. Yeah. And, you know, I think for so many people teaching through their pain, like using their pain as their teaching tool, um, I think is can be so incredibly therapeutic. And I think that there's so much wisdom to be taught from learning from whatever it is you went through. And, you know, pain can be physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain. Um, you know, for some people, like you said, it was, you felt stupid. Um, for me, it was going through a traumatic brain injury and, and having to rehabilitate, um, you know, so pain can be so many things. It, it's not just 
you know, specifically physical pain. Yes, it's so true. And I think about, um, you know, there's like the emotional body, the mental body, the physical body, and yet everything is connected. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we all kind of lean towards, you know, I think pain, when you say pain is your teacher, it, it's an unfortunate truth that pain is our teacher. Um, a friend of mine, she always says, Rachel, pain is necessary, but suffering is optional. Yes. You know, and, um, one of the things I love sharing with children is, um, the quote by Albert Einstein, because kids know that Albert Einstein is so brilliant and so smart. And he says, if you teach a fish how to climb a tree, it will believe its whole life. It's stupid. And understanding that we all have different learning styles and modalities, some are listeners, some need to write, some need to move, some need to be outside. And I think, you know, education is coming along. It's, it's starting to see um, that kids need different things to stimulate their brains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like some kids are very visual learners. Some kids learn more through reading a book. Um, Others learn by doing. Um, And unfortunately, you know, our, our education system is set up traditionally, right. Where you learn in a classroom, everyone learns the same way. And then the disruptors probably aren't really disruptors. They're just bored because you're not teaching them in the way that they're able to process learning. Right. You know, I, like I said, I'm a visual learner. Um, so for me, I got really bored. I'd start daydreaming in school. Cause like, I just wasn't interested in what the teacher was talking about. Um, and, you know, and it wasn't, it's not until you're well into your adulthood that you even begin to understand that. Right. Yes. Um, one of my favorite classes that I've taught usually around like fifth grade, like 10 and 11 year olds, um, I will go in and I will share a meditation and I'll say, I'm going to guide you through a meditation and you get to choose. You get to either a get a piece of paper and draw it, whatever I'm sharing with you, or you get to write it, or you just get to sit and listen and, and just giving choice to these kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah is light up and they all choose something different. And it's so beautiful to witness as like a guide of just guiding this meditation. And then at the end, we all share it. And it's just really neat. Like the writer shares with the artist and then the artist um, draws what the writer wrote. And it's, it's just amazing to, to see. And they're like, if I learned that as a kid, I probably would have saved me a lot of heartache. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And just, you know, giving kids the opportunity to be kids. And, you know, I remember I was a writer. So whenever we had a writing assignment or had to write a story, um, like that was where I thrived. And, you know, I would like, like going back to when I was daydreaming, I like, write something, right? Like I'd start writing a story and I just remember getting in trouble for doing that. Right. Cause I wasn't doing what we're supposed to be doing at the time. And it's just so unfortunate that we're like 
penalizing kids for doing something that they're good at. Um, you know, like I was told, you know, you'll, you know, don't, don't bother with this. This isn't going to get you anywhere. You know, and here I am, I have two magazines and I've written four books. So like, haha to you. (laughs) And I forget which Olympic gold medalist it was. Um, but her, one of her teachers had told her she should give up swimming and focus on um, her studies. And you know, there she is holding up her gold medal. And, you know, I don't think teachers, and I'm generalizing here because this is definitely not all teachers, but I don't think teachers understand the impact of what they say to kids, like, you know, when they're daydreaming or when they're not doing what the teacher expects them to be doing, um, the impact that that can have throughout life on a child. Absolutely. It's, and it's such a hard job as a teacher. I taught fifth yeah. grade and I was a preschool teacher and I think I couldn't be in the classroom all day. <laughs> like I just go in and I leave. I mean, it is, it is such hard work and you're given and, and, um, I'm just hoping that they they just be transformed, you know, Mm -hmm. like the way education is and teachers have the freedom to like have, you know, these different modalities and tools. And I think we've frozen. I think there was a glitch. Oh, nope. I can hear you. Um, Yeah. You know, and you know, teach, I mean, it's a hard job. You have 20, 30 kids in one room and, Clearly you have several different learning styles in there, but you know, how, how do you, um, how do you cater to each of those styles? And, and I think like you figured it out, right? Like you told them you can draw, you can write, you can be quiet or you can act it out, you know, whatever it is. Um, so maybe share a little bit more about some of that, that you do in your classes with children. Yeah. Well, when you said glitter, it's so funny. I even brought this into my adult class. Um, I love reading books. I love doing story time yoga. It's part of just the style for me and just kind of circling back to pain as your purpose. So when I was a kid in school, I was in, and now they don't call it remedial reading, but I was in remedial reading. And um, the funny thing is I wrote three books, you know, who knew? Um but I love reading stories and I think kids connect with stories. Mm -hmm. So in the stories, so any yoga, any book, like any traditional book, I'll connect um, a breath exercise, um, some yoga movements and a game, and then give the kids some freedom to like in the story, what would your body look like if you were a panda bear? you know? Um, so I bring in some traditional yoga elements, but it's really a form of play and movement and breath to set the nervous system. I do say a calm brain is a learning brain. And when we learn how to calm down our nervous system, we're able to access our prefrontal cortex, which is our logical part of thinking. I call it the wise owl brain. And then you have in the back of the brain, the amygdala, which is your fight or flight or freeze and now fawn response. Have you heard the fawn response? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's like a new concept for me. It's like, oh yeah, the fawning, but how do you use that part of your brain where it serves you really well? And how do you quiet it 
and we call it the bulldog or the barking dog brain because it's alarming you to tell you mm-hmm. something um, is either wrong or you're in danger. Um, but a lot of the times we're we're not in danger, right? It's our thoughts that make us believe that, and then we have heart races. Our belly gets our bellies, you know, get tight. Um, so I share that information with the kids in the classes. And I just think that, I don't know, people need to give kids way more credit, um, and what they're capable of learning. And when you understand why and what's happening, then you have more sense of like self-control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think kids pick up way more, um, than we give them credit for. And, you know, at the same time, I think, so like, I'm just thinking of some of the the cartoon movies that have been on like during Christmas or whatever, or Halloween. Um, and like, there's definitely adult talk in them and it just kind of goes over the kids' heads a little bit, you know, but, but then I think at some point they do start to understand that as they get older, right. Um, without necessarily having to be told what that meant. Um, and so I, you know, we do, we need to give them a lot more credit because I think they pick up on things that we have no idea they're picking up on. Yeah. And they have a lot of big feelings and Mm -hmm. it's like, how do we like acknowledge feelings, you know, and how do we manage them and work with them? And it's, it's amazing. Like, so when I went through my adult training, my kids were one in two, they were in diapers And that is how I got into kids yoga because I played with them. I just played with my kids and I, I read stories and made up exactly kind of, I was talking about, Oh, I can add a breath work here. I can add some movement here. And, um, they were my inspiration to, to write children's yoga books because there weren't any at the time. Now there's a plethora, which is amazing. Um, and so my little guy really had a lot of like tantrums. Like, you know, I called it the terrific threes to like trick. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I'll never forget how it was like, this stuff works. So when you're calm, that's when I would share a tool, not in the moment. And my, so we did this breath technique called the squeeze and breathe where we would interlace our hands and gaze at our belly and breathe and squeeze. And I did that with my kids all the time. And then there was a a day we were in the car and he's buckled up in the car seat and I'm driving and he's having an absolute temper tantrum. And he's like trying to get out of his car seat and he's screaming. And I couldn't understand what he was saying. And what he was saying was, I want to squeeze and weave. He was at this little lisp. And I was like, are you saying you want to squeeze and breathe? And I was like, I pulled over immediately, took him out of the car seat. We sat there and we squeezed and we breathed. We like collected ourselves and I got back in the car. He even helped me buckle in his little buckle. Now he'll be 15 and he's still doing a lot of breath work. Um, But that was the moment where I was like, there's magic here. Mm -hmm. For my kids, I want to share it with other kids. And you're so right. You know, they have so many feelings. They don't know what to do with those feelings. They don't know what those feelings are. Um, you know, well into your teenage, even in your 20s, you still deal with all these feelings 
that you don't know where they're coming from and what they are. And we're not taught how to deal with them and how to handle them. And so just something so simple as what you just described with the breathe and squeeze, like so simple, and it helps you just become more present and in the moment. And I know I have friends that have children in Montessori schools and they do, they practice meditation and they practice breath work and it makes such a difference in their educational experience because kids are kids. They have energy. They have to burn it off. They have, like you said, they have all these big feelings, um, And, you know, helping them understand how to express those feelings, how to handle those feelings can make such a difference. Like to see something so simple as breathe and squeeze. Yeah. It's like, I always tell the kids, you don't have to go anywhere to buy your breath. It's with you. Yeah. The time, but I'm from a generation, uh, maybe you are too, hearing the phrase children should be seen and not heard. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm just one generation away of hearing that message, mm-hmm. you know? And so there's beauty in like paving the way and like trying to change that messaging. And then also it can feel discouraging sometimes because <laughs> it's like, okay, we have some work to do. So do you do any work? Um, I know you do a lot of kids yoga, but do you do a lot of work with the kids and the parents and helping the parents learn this, this stuff as well? Yes. Well, here's what I find. I find that a family class is really, really fun. Like that can be something really engaging. I've done family yoga. I do think that when parents aren't practicing with their kids, it's a, it's a distraction. Um, like they're, mm-hmm. they're just watching, um, and not participating. Um, I, I don't find it as beneficial. Um, the kids are distracted. They get more out of it. If the parents are on the mat or, uh-huh. um, but I, I do trainings. I have done lots of like kids trainings, basic training. And I mean, some people don't even ever teach kids yoga. It's just for the tools, you know, for yourself and mm-hmm. to have resources to connect with your kids. I wish there was more out there though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I just think, um, you know, helping the parent understand or going into schools and teaching the teachers and the schools to how to like embrace some of these tools. Um, I, I, I believe cause you're in Colorado. Um, don't a lot of Colorado schools have yoga in the schools now? I thought not, I was reading that. I think not here where we are. There was a program. Okay. So pre COVID I was in the schools. I had K through second and I was just bouncing around from schools, but ever since COVID happened, I haven't been back in the schools. Um, so that that's kind of heartbreaking. And then all yeah. through COVID, I was on Google Classroom and popping in and doing that. Um, so things are in a weird kind of shift right yeah. now. Um, my heart, though, if like I'm new to Colorado, I moved here three years ago. But when I was in Charleston, South Carolina, I did professional development days for um, the county for teachers and specifically school counselors to have different kid techniques to connect 
Um, so I'm hoping that we can, I can get there <laughs> some way, yeah. some little way. Yeah. But that would yeah. be, that would be the dream because if teachers have, have, you know, if they're teaching math, you know, I just, I'm just thinking like mindfulness, I call it whatever mm-hmm. you want. There are, there are some, it's another topic of, um, a lot of resistance with the word yoga and having spirituality into schools. Right. Um, so I just call it mindful movement. I'm like, are you breathing? Mm-hmm. Are you calming your nervous system? Are you stretching and strengthening your body? You can call my class, whatever. Yeah. 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 You know, unfortunately some people still think yoga equals a religion and, you know, we, we all know that that's not entirely how it works. <laughs> so yeah, I like that. The mindful movement, call it, yeah. Call it what you need to call it. Um, I don't want to the give them the tools. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's hurting the kids. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know someone told me that they can't call it yoga. They do yoga, but they can't call it yoga in school mm-hmm. and like they can't chant home or do anything like that. Um, which is unfortunate, but at least they're doing something. Right. And like what I, that, you know, it's having those restrictions allows you to be so creative though. And for me as a teacher, my thought is, okay, what's the message behind the message? Like, what is it that we're looking for to experience? Okay. So say we can't chant OM, but we can all hum. Mm -hmm. We can yum to our favorite food and have the same mm, sensation and vibration in the brain. You can't say namaste, but I've created a really fun closing with my class where we bring our hands together. And um, it's my favorite closing. I should do it in my adult classes too. And it says, um, may there be peace in my thoughts. May there be peace in my words. May there be peace in my heart. And then we make the peace sign and all look at each other and say, may there be peace in our classroom and may there be peace in the world. I love that. I'm stealing that from you. (laughs) Yeah. I learned it from someone else and just added a couple things. I love it. So you have movement, you have words, you know, you connect it all and it means the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's all about the intention. Yeah. It's like, I see you. So I don't, I don't get all like ruffled up about like, you know, calling it a warrior one or whatever it is like, okay, let's balance. (laughs) Let's let's move, let's play, let's breathe. And you're going to get the same benefit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've seen, um, a lot of kids, yoga teachers, like they call poses, just fun names, like they make animal names and, you know, do other things. And it it doesn't matter what it's called. It's, it's, it's how it's just doing it. Right. So, Yeah. yeah. Well, Rachel, this has been a lovely conversation. Um, if people want to learn more about you and what you do, your website is rachelglowacki.com. And what are some of the things you have going on that people can um, tune into? Yes. So I teach everywhere. And I feel like in the Vail Valley right now, um, my schedule is on there. So if you are um, in the Vail area, I teach at a couple uh, locations um, such as Dogma, 
Mountain Soul, and the Vitality Collective. And those are adult classes. And I also do once a month story time yoga for kids at the Vitality Collective. And I also have recordings on Yoga and Life magazine on the practice. And I teach a style of uh, yoga called Yoga Fusion, which blends a little bit of yin, vinyasa, and yoga shred, also known as HIIT training, um, and just fuse it all in together. My mindset is, how do I work smarter, not harder? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Burst, a little strength and a little stretch and some solace and quiet. Um, so yeah, that's, those are the things that you can um, find me at. Wonderful. And again, that's rachelglowacki.com. And we will have a clickable link in the show notes. So you can go check that out. So thank you so much for being here today, Rachel. Thank you for having me. It was a joy to chat. And thank you everyone for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and please do consider leaving a five-star review wherever you are listening to help others who are on their own wellness journey, discover this podcast. Have a great day, everyone. And I will see you in the next episode.